plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hey folks, it's Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. You are listening to the Locked on Bucks podcast. We are here for episode 21, uh, starting our fifth week. Uh, the Monday podcasts, I think, are always the easiest. So much to wrap up over the weekend. Uh, starting with Friday night's preseason win for the Bucs. Uh, about as good as they've looked uh, in a preseason game as I can remember. Uh, it is a 30-13 victory over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, big home debut for the 2016 Buccaneers, their first preseason game. Uh, got to show off their brand new uh, video boards and new sound system there at Raymond James Stadium. A uh, decent crowd uh, announced in the high 40s. Uh, I think the uh, actual attendance was closer to 35,000. Uh, up about 2,000 from the actual uh, for last year's preseason home opener. So a good crowd. Uh, again, those preseason games, uh, all the season ticket holders that get tickets aren't necessarily going to make the trip into town to be at the game. So it's not that surprising if the actual drops off a little bit from the announced attendance. Uh, but lots to get to and lots to be excited about if you're a Bucks fan. Uh, we have to start with Jameis Winston. Um, played only one half, didn't really have to play more than the one half. Uh, 16 of 25 for 259 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, really looked sharp. Um, you know, you think about the things you want to see from Jameis. He's got four touchdowns in this preseason. Uh, that's as many as any Buccaneers quarterback in a preseason since 2007, I believe it was. Uh, but no, looked very good. Uh, connected with his big three. Uh, you think about the, the top three receivers, the guys that have really established themselves uh, the guys that will be the go-to guys at receiver for the Bucks this year. Uh, all three had great games. Uh, over 300 yards between the three of them, if you count uh, Adam Humphrey's big punt return. But Mike Evans, 5 for 115 uh, and a touchdown. Uh, Vincent Jackson, 4 catches for 78 yards. And Adam Humphrey's, uh, 2 big catches across the middle, 2 for 39 yards. Uh, and then a beautiful 73-yard punt return. Um, Bucks haven't had a punt return for a touchdown in the preseason. Uh, since the great Dexter Jackson in 2008, uh, really, really nice return down the right side. Kind of got things really going to start separating them from the uh, the Browns. They were up 27-3 at one point, uh, gave up a touchdown late in the first half, uh, and obviously the second half was just kind of a wash. When you get up by that much, it almost doesn't matter uh, what would happen in the second half. They only had about 50 yards of offense in the second half, uh, but really weren't trying to show very much, so... Uh, I think four total completions from Glennon and Griffin in the second half. But again, at that point, it doesn't matter too much. The important stuff uh, with the fans saw with the starters was very good. Not just the offense. Uh, I'm going to make sure we talk about the defense as well. Eight sacks from the defense. Uh, two of them uh, early on from Jacquees Smith. Uh, a bunch of the uh, outside third down pass rushers had a field day. So you had Noah Spence with a sack. Uh, Howard Jones with a sack. Um, a bunch of your smaller guys that really came through this way. Mike, uh, Gerald McCoy and uh, Robert Ayers split a sack as well. Will Golston had a sack. Quan Alexander, just so it wasn't all defensive line, got a sack as well. Uh, that eight sacks uh, is the most they have recorded in a Buccaneers preseason game. I think they only have stats going back to like 2,000 on preseason games. Uh, if it were a regular season game, that would be the third most sacks in any game in franchise history. Uh, as Dirk says, if you can get uh, eight sacks in a game, that usually that means very good things about whether you could win it or not. 
One thing we mentioned in Saturday's paper, I want to make sure we mention here too, um, one of the reasons the Bucks did so well is they got the Browns into third and long constantly. Uh, Bucks on offense didn't have a third down where they needed more than nine yards, didn't have any real ridiculous third and long situations. Uh, got the Browns into a lot of those. Five of the eight sacks came on third and 10 or more, had a third and 15, had a third and 21, uh, backing them up with penalties, backing them up with tackles for losses. Uh, so when you get to that third down, as we've talked about, third and long, when they know it's going to be a passing situation, what they're able to do um, is take out your run stuffers inside, sliding guys like Ayers and Golston to defensive tackle. So you got pass rushers on the inside now. You bring in your lighter, quicker ends outside, guys like Jack Smith, guys like Noah Spence, Howard Jones. You kind of pin their ears back and just let them go from the outside. And you're not worried about having to defend the run. You know that they're waiting for longer routes. They're going to take longer to develop. So you have a little extra time before that guy is going to release the ball. You can't just make that quick throw on third and 10 because it's going to be a five-yard gain in your punting. So, again, eight sacks, a very big game by the defense. Uh, To hold an opponent to 13 yards uh, is a great thing for a defense in any game. And then, you know, didn't get the takeaways, had zero takeaways, actually were minus one. Uh, with Storm Johnson's fumble. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to think about ways the defense can get better, obviously they can have turnovers, uh, takeaways, I mean. Um, but again, hard to complain when the defense has eight sacks like that. The other big news, uh, something we had certainly built up going into the game, was uh, Roberto Aguayo, you know, who could not do anything right, it seemed, in the first two games. Missed three kicks, had the missed extra point that doinked off the left up right there in Philadelphia. Had two missed kicks against Jacksonville. Uh, missed some kicks in practice. Uh, the whole world had stopped for a brief moment there last week. And uh, amusingly, Roberto Aguayo came out and hit all six kicks. Did not miss a one. Uh, they gave him a doozy to start out with. First drive stalled at a 30, so he had to make a 48-yarder, uh, almost as long as a kick as he's uh, even attempted, and, and nailed the 48-yarder, uh, hit all his extra points, added two more shorter field goals, uh, but very much righted the ship. It was really neat to see how much the crowd embraced him, uh, how much his teammates came out on the field to celebrate. This is an, you know, a reg- not even a regular season, a preseason first quarter field goal. Um, and you could tell how much it meant to them, how much they wanted him to do well out there on Friday night. So very much uh, what Roberto Aguaya needed. We talked about people that needed a jolt of confidence and, and a change of course, if you will, Nobody more so than the rookie from Florida State. And, uh, you know, if things go right, that is the Aguayo that the Bucks will know this season. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to make every kick, but he certainly can do better than he looked in those first two games. So big progress there. Uh, the other big news over the weekend, uh, I guess the first thing we should do is address injuries. Uh, had a couple there, uh, a couple in the game, a couple before the game. You know, as the game turned out, the, the Bucks did as well as they did Without their top three guards, uh, which was wild. I mean, we knew that J.R. Sweezy was going to be out. We knew that Ali Marpet uh, had a boot on his ankle at practice two days earlier, so it was certainly easy to see that he might be out. Uh, and then Kevin Pample was gone as well. Uh, we found out after the game that uh, we had known already, but we kind of had it come out publicly after the game, uh, that Kevin's mom, Marie, had passed away in Miami earlier this month. Uh, very sad and very sorry for Kevin, uh, but understandably he was excused. Uh, to go home to Miami to be there for her wake Friday night and her funeral services Saturday. Uh, did come home to Tampa on Sunday. He'll be back with the team. So first and foremost, uh, our thoughts and prayers go to Kevin. 
who's one of the real good guys on the Bucks roster. Very active with charity work, uh, always in a good mood. Uh, hate to see that for Kevin, for his uh, his family as well. Um, he will have a comment from him in the morning, uh, just talking about how much his family respects uh, the privacy they've had and, and how much they're going to miss his mom, what a big part of his family uh, she was. And uh, neat to see how well his teammates took to him as well. We, we heard Jameis Winston talk about how the offensive line and the entire team uh, played that game, if you will, as a tribute to Kevin Pamphill. Wanted to do that for him. Uh, it's always a strong motivation when you want to help somebody who can't be there to enjoy the same game that you're playing in. Uh, so anyway, with those out, you saw Josh Allen pressed into duty at left guard. Josh Allen's probably a third-team guard if everybody's healthy. Uh, stepped in at left guard, Evan Smith, who's normally a center. Stepped in at right guard for Ali Marpet. And the line did great. Uh, that patchwork line did not give up a sack the whole night before the game. Hearing that you're down three guards, I got fans that are worried for Jameis Winston's life. Uh, and he was not sacked once. Second team line, ridiculously patchwork. Uh, it's like literally three of the five offensive linemen that finished the game or, or saw most of the time there in the second half were not with the team a month ago. Uh, you had, uh, you know, you have a guy like Joel Hale who comes in as an undrafted rookie as camp starts from Ohio State. He came in. Uh, I mean, you had another guy. Uh, that came in really later in camp in, in Kelvin Palmer that played well and played another, I don't know, 40 snaps at, at tackle. And then the wild one is Kyler Kirbyson, who we talked about. Kyler Kirbyson was not on this team a week ago. Uh, signed on Monday, had his first practice on the line on Tuesday, had two practices, and was out there as a second-team guard, which is wild. Uh, I don't think the second-team offense did quite as well as the first team did. Uh, but again, nobody was hurt. Um, you walk away with no injuries when you have that patchwork and offensive line. Uh, credit goes to them, to Leonard Wester, uh, to the other guys that filled in there. Just a great job by that offensive line under ridiculously shorthanded circumstances. The other injuries to speak of, uh, Dante Dye kind of had a scare. Uh, left the game after, I think, two plays for him in the first quarter with a hamstring injury. Uh, obviously, those can be very bad if they uh, are, are serious. Uh, it sounds like it's not for Dante Dye. The, the word I've gotten today is that it's not uh, anything major. Uh, there's no tear to his hamstring. Uh, and they're optimistic he could be back and playing for that season opener in two weeks. Uh, it's a week from Sunday, if you're listening on Monday, but uh, 13 days off. Uh, the other hamstring that people were worried about was Devontae Bond, who had uh, tweaked his hamstring in practice. I guess it's Tuesday, Wednesday of last week. Uh, did not play Friday night. Again, I'm told with him as well. It's a minor hamstring injury. They're hopeful he can be back and playing two weeks from now when the season starts. Uh, that's big news because that's two guys that you know they would have had to replace on the 53-man roster had they been out uh, any extended period of time. So they're back. The one question mark we still wonder about is Daryl Smith, uh, the strong side linebacker who has not played since the Bucks went to Jacksonville. So coming up on two month, two weeks out, uh, I guess he hasn't practiced in 12, 13 days right now. So we don't know what his problem is. Uh, we don't know how bad it is. Uh, but hopefully we'll get answers soon. Uh, the Bucks don't have to share a lot of injury info in the preseason. So they don't share a lot of injury info in the preseason. But that's one more thing we'll be asking about uh, as the week goes on. The big news Sunday, since we're wrapping up the whole weekend, uh, is the first cuts came down. Uh, we knew that the deadline for NFL teams to cut from 90 to 75 is Tuesday at 4 p.m., uh, a lot of them kind of wait until 
day after, two days after their game and just get going with the cuts. They know who they're going to be. There's no sense in having somebody trot out to Monday's practice if they know they're not going to be there on Tuesday. So uh, 12 guys cut, uh, some of them more newsworthy, more surprising than others. Uh, big names that start out with uh, Jake Shum was cut. Uh, Jake was the punter last year for the Bucks. So we can now know that Brian Anger, who came in as a free agent from the Jaguars, will be the Bucks punter in 2016. Uh, statistically, was well, well ahead of Jake Shum in the preseason. I think he averaged 48.7 yards on his punts. Uh, was really booming the punts. Had like a maybe a four-yard edge on the net punting as well. Uh, I always think of net punting average as probably the more telling statistic with a punter. Uh, I think Jake did a little better job with the inside the 20 type punts, pinning them deep. Uh, but they saw enough from Brian Anger. It, it would have taken a really strong preseason from Jake Shum to beat out Anger. I think Brian had like a $750,000 signing bonus, which is more than Shum was due to make the entire year. Uh, so it takes a, a major, major uh, upset from a guy like Shum to cause the Bucks to eat that much money. So Brian Anger is your punter. Uh, the next biggest name that was cut, uh, and a lot of times we call these a courtesy cut when it's somebody who maybe could have stuck around to the final cut, but you want to do them a favor and give them a couple extra days to maybe latch on with another team. Uh, that's certainly the case for Major Wright, uh, veteran safety who's been with the Bucks the last two years. I think he's had 76 tackles in the last two years, uh, has kind of dropped out of the starting role, but had been a guy that played a ton, obviously had a history with Lovey Smith with his Bears, um, never found the same role in Dirk Cutter's team this year. We saw him consistently working as the fourth or fifth safety, uh, and I think they've seen enough from Ryan Smith, the rookie from NC Central, where they're comfortable with Ryan being the fourth safety, uh, and they're willing to let Major Wright go. He would have made, I think, $1.75 million this year, which is a lot of money for a, a backup safety, uh, if you will. Uh, you want those jobs to try and be somebody that can learn, can kind of step up and, and uh, develop as a backup. You know, you think about the safety position for the Bucks. Chris Conte and Bradley McDougal will both be unrestricted free agents next spring. Um, so it's hard to imagine them liking both of them enough to keep them and pay them open market money. Uh, so you could very well have an opening for a starting safety on this team a year from now. And I would think Ryan Smith's goal would be to put himself in position to be that guy that steps in as a starting safety. So Major Wright is gone. Jeremiah George, another name that was a regular on last year's Bucks team, a very busy special teams player, made a great play Friday night, to his credit. Uh, that, that punt return that Adam Humphreys had, Jeremiah George almost blocked the punt, ran all the way downfield, made a key block, and did it very cleanly. The last thing you want to do is have a penalty take away a great run like this and got in position and literally went by the guy with his hands up, uh, like don't shoot, that kind of thing. Uh, hands up, did not get the call, blocked the guy, just set the corner for Humphreys, and he was off and running. And then literally, Jeremiah George followed Humphreys down and was the first guy to greet him in the end zone. So just this amazing, I always think about the, uh, the old family circus cartoons where they'd have like a little perforated line that would show where like, PJ or Jeffy went like to try and find his missing shoe or something. It would be neat to just track where Jeremiah George took all the way up, trying to block it, curling all the way back, mega block, and then all the way back 70 yards to meet Adam Humphreys in the end zone. It was really neat to see. Uh, I'm sorry that Jeremiah George doesn't make this team. He's a good kid uh, from Clearwater, very much a special teams linebacker. Uh, there will always be a role for those types in the NFL, so I think it would not surprise me at all if Jeremiah is back with another team, uh, would be his fourth team in three years, unfortunately for him. Uh, but it speaks well to the depth at linebacker the Bucks think they have in a handful of rookies. Uh, you look at uh, Debake Bond, you look at Luke Rhodes, Micah Awe is still on this team. Um, 
one of those guys is going to make this team as a backup linebacker. Maybe two of those guys as well. So Jeremiah George is out. The next biggest name is probably Storm Johnson, a guy that had kind of a shot at getting the Bucks' number three running backs job. Uh, that looks like it's going to come down to Mike James and Peyton Barber. Storm Johnson had a nice game against the Jaguars. Had like 56 yards of offense on one drive. Had a touchdown against his old team. Uh, hurt himself on Friday night. Uh, I think he had two carries, one for a loss. The other one lost a fumble. Only turnover of the game. The one thing you cannot do as a running back on the bubble is is give up the football, which is what he did. Uh, that's why Storm's out of work. Again, Storm wasn't in the NFL last year, so it's not necessarily surprising that he's gone now. Uh, but one of the bigger names. Eight more guys cut. All of these are ones I kind of saw coming, if you will. Uh, wide receiver Andre Davis, who's a Tampa kid from Jefferson High School from USF. Never really in the mix. They had 12 receivers. I would have told you he was the 12th. Um, they'll probably cut another receiver or two here in the next day. They've got to make two more cuts to get to 75, which is the Tuesday deadline. Uh, so two more cuts coming. I would think one of them is a receiver. Uh, I don't know whether it's uh, somebody like Freddie Martino or somebody like Jonathan Krause, but I think one of those guys is probably going soon. Other cuts here. Andre Davis, Taylor Fallon, uh, undrafted rookie from Memphis, missed it. Uh, Tevin Westbrook, uh, Gators tight end who was on the practice squad last year. He's the first tight end cut. Uh, interesting to see a guy like Alan Cross, uh, a guy like Kevon Cartwright, two undrafted rookies outlasting Westbrook. Uh, neither of those are likely to make the 53, but it's interesting to see them outlast him uh, to make it to 75. Kamario uh, McFadden, uh, safety, a uh, guy that was with the team briefly last year. Kamario was not playing on defense at all in the preseason, so that's not surprising at all. Uh, Martin Ifedi. Uh, good guy, good defensive tackle in the practice squad last year. Martin, again, didn't play a snap the other night. Uh, when you're not playing in the preseason, you're not going to make the roster for the regular season. So Martin Effetti is gone. Ishmaeli Kitchen, again, one of the best names on the Bucks. Uh, guy they brought in in the middle of camp, former Brown, former Patriot, barely played at all. I think he had seven snaps in the two games he was there. Uh, not surprising, he's cut Travis Britz, rookie defensive tackle from Kansas State, also missed the cut. Uh, and uh, Daniel Davey, cornerback uh, rookie from Nebraska, cut as well. Again, Davey barely playing at all in the preseason. So you have your first 12 cuts. They are down to 77 right now. Uh, again, they'll make two more moves here between now and Tuesday. I would think that's even before Tuesday's practice. It could even be before Monday's practice. They practice uh, just after lunchtime on Monday. And again, for the Bucks, there's really no reason to practice with a player you know you're going to cut the next day. If he hurts himself, you could be in position to have to pay the guy a lot more money than if you're cutting him right now. So it would not surprise me at all if those next two cuts come in Monday morning and they're at 75 players. I would be curious to see if the Bucks pick anybody up. Obviously, the whole league is cutting to 75. There were already some interesting names. I uh, was intrigued to see uh, the Eagles made a cut. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a guy that matches the Bucks or not, but wide receiver there who's had a bunch of catches uh, going back. Uh, had eight touchdowns last year with the Giants. Reuben Randall is his name. Um, doesn't have any direct ties to the Bucks, uh, but was very productive last year. He's the kind of guy, if you can get him as your third or fourth receiver, which is what he'd be with the Bucks, uh, that would not surprise me. The Eagles have upgraded their receivers quite a bit. They traded for Doriel Green Beckham here in the last couple weeks. Uh, so he's probably something that wouldn't be cut if they hadn't done that. Again, if someone is cut in the cuts to 75, they're likely not that great a player, uh, but certainly could be a guy that if you brought him in could compete for your fifth receiver spot with uh, with the Bucks. So we'll be curious to see what ads they make. I definitely think this coming weekend when the cuts to 53 come, 
they could be very active, adding a third running back, adding a fourth defensive tackle, adding depth at, uh, at a couple different positions, really, just depending on who the best guys are that are cut. Anybody that has a history with these coaches and get cut uh, could see them coming in. So it would not surprise me at all if the Bucks add two or three guys off waivers here after the deadline. I want to get to the mailbag real quick. Lots of questions coming in off the uh, weekend, and you guys sending in your questions. Again, if you want to send in a question, we love the interaction. Uh, shoot me an email at uh, LockedOnBucks at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at LockedOnBucks or on my name at Greg Allman. That's A-U-M-A-N. Always want to try and answer you guys, even though we're already at the 20-minute mark for the podcast. Uh, first one comes from uh, PewterCast, another good podcast. Make sure if you're not listening to this podcast exclusively, make sure you listen to the PewterCast as well. Uh, they want to know if any draft picks are going to get cut, which is a good question, a question I kind of asked Dirk Cutter the other day, uh, yesterday, Saturday, and he kind of dodged the question, if you will, uh, as he's allowed to do, certainly. Um, you know, last year, this time, uh, the Bucks cut two draft picks in Kalen Clay and in uh, fullback from Hawaii, Joey Yosefa. Uh, never played a down for the Bucks. Kalen Clay actually resurfaced with the Ravens, I believe, had a touchdown for them, and then had a third draft pick in Kenny Bell that, that went on IR and, and very well might end up now not ever playing a down for the Bucks. So it's well within uh, the standard operating procedure for a Jason Light uh, front office to part ways with a draft pick. Uh, you know, there's four third-day picks that are, I guess you'd say, uncertain uh, for different reasons. We talked about Devontae Bond. I think as long as Devontae Bond is healthy, he is on this roster. Uh, he has been the top backup to Daryl Smith at strong side linebacker. We've already seen Daryl Smith get hurt. So I, I think there's a definite need to get him there. He's been active on special teams. He's played a little bit of everything on special teams. I'd be very surprised if he's not the fourth linebacker on this team. Uh, we talked about Ryan Smith. Uh, obviously, we talked about Major Wright getting cut. Uh, to me, Major Wright getting cut on Sunday speaks well to their confidence in Ryan Smith being a guy they can bring along as a backup safety, as a guy they use a lot on special teams, uh, was getting a look on kickoff returns, and can fill in as a pinch um, as a backup safety as well. Danny Vitale is another one we want to look at. Danny has not caught very many passes at tight end. Uh, played Each of the last two games played more snaps on special teams than anybody on the roster. And that's what you want to hear if you're a backup. Uh, has definitely shown he has a role on special teams. I think he'll be their fourth tight end. Uh, that might come at the expense of Brandon Myers, who's a veteran. Uh, Brandon has to hope they carry a fifth tight end. But I think if they carry four, Danny Vitale is that fourth guy. I think he's on the roster. Uh, much the same way with injuries. Caleb Beninock, the offensive lineman from UCLA, uh, missed three weeks with a foot injury, which is hard to do in a preseason. But he is back. Uh, literally played one snap in uh, Friday night's game. Uh, I think he'll be in a position to play much more this week and can kind of affirm, uh, establish himself as one of the guys they should keep as a backup offensive lineman. We, we were talking the other day uh, about how Dirk felt like he has seven offensive linemen, but isn't sure who eight and nine are. Um, and as you look right now, there's probably, I don't have it here in front of me, but there's probably three names that are most likely to be your eighth, ninth type lineman, and that's Leonard Wester, the undrafted rookie left tackle who's played very well. Beninock, who's a draft pick. And then you have to look at, if you, if you carry a 10th offensive lineman, it would be Josh Allen, who filled in so well at left guard, has some center flexibility if you need it. Uh, and then the other guy would be, be Ben Gottschalk. I mean, Ben Gottschalk has, has stuck it out. He played as the backup center in this game, but again, has some guard center flexibility that you would need and want to have. 
from a backup lineman. I don't know that they carry a 10th offensive lineman, but if they do, it's Josh Allen and it's uh, Caleb Beninock that are, or not sorry, it's Josh Allen and Ben Gottschalk that are fighting for that. I think Beninock is, is in as the ninth offensive lineman. Question from JT Olson goes by Icewater Olson, one of the best nicknames uh, of my regular commenters here. Uh, JT Olson says he wasn't impressed with the defensive tackle group in Friday's game. I would have to agree. Uh, Bucks played without Clinton McDonald on Friday night. Uh, just kind of held him out just to be safe with injuries. Uh, had a lot of Gerald McCoy early on. But, you know, after McCoy and Spence, there's a big drop-off to the rest of the guys that are battling right now. Uh, the Bucks would like to carry a fourth defensive tackle if they don't. The only three they have all missed time with injuries last year. We know they can rotate in the ends like Ayers and Golston uh, and others like that. But I think they want to have a fourth defensive tackle. I don't know that he's on this roster right now. Uh, A.J. Francis and Cliff Matthews and Devontae Lambert are the three that are left. None of them have played extensively in the preseason, and none of them have played well. Not a lot of tackles, not a lot of plays. Um, we mentioned Devontae Lambert had three late in Jacksonville, but not a lot. So, again, I, if there's one position where I think the Bucks are going to be looking to upgrade through waivers for depth this coming weekend, I think it's defensive tackle. I think it starts there. Uh, it's a very good question, JT, and I would agree with you. Uh, Greg Robbins kind of jokingly wants to know, what position group do I think the Bucks are going to target in the 2017 draft? And he, he acknowledges that it's so far ahead I shouldn't have to answer that. It's neat to think about in terms of what are the positions where this team doesn't have um, everything locked up at youth. Uh, the first position I would name, and I'm answering this kind of halfway, is wide receiver. Because I thought they would have used a draft pick this year on a wide receiver, and they didn't. Vincent Jackson's going to be a year older. Uh, you have plenty of youth at the position. As we mentioned, I think nine of the 12 receivers on roster in camp were 25 or younger. Uh, so there's plenty of youth. I mean, there's, again, Mike Evans in his, in his third year. Adam Humphreys in his second year. Dante Dye in his second year. Uh, even Russell Shepard is only in his fourth year. Uh, so there's lots of youth. Evan Spencer, again, second-year guy. No matter who they take, Kenny Bell, second year. These are all young guys. But I do think they could invest a high draft pick in a speed receiver next year. Uh, if they don't in the first two rounds, as much as I can be surprised by something eight months from now, I'll be surprised by it. Uh, Douglas Sean O'Connor wants to know about the linebackers, the four through six linebackers, how wide open it is. Who makes the cut? It's a very good question. I kind of looked at this right after the game, trying to figure things out. The Obviously, your first three are Levante David, Quan Alexander, and Daryl Smith. Um, I tend to think just by kind of pulling rank that Devontae Bond is a draft pick is the fourth linebacker, especially if we know that he's healthy. And then from there, it's intriguing. The two most productive linebackers have been Luke Rhodes and Adarius Glanton. Luke Rhodes had 10 tackles in the preseason. Adarius Glanton has six tackles in the preseason. They both played on special teams as well. Uh, Luke Rhodes is an undrafted rookie, but I think he's looked the part. I think he makes this team right now. I don't know if they carry five or six linebackers. I had thought six, and then Dirk kind of made a reference to competi competition for the fourth or fifth linebacker spot, which makes me think maybe they only carry five. They would have to get special teams contributions from a lot of other positions to only have five linebackers. I can tell you that. After Bond and Rhodes, the three that are left on the roster sorry, are uh, Adarius Glanton, who we mentioned, Josh Kyes, who has filled in as the Sam linebacker when Bond and Smith have been out, uh, and Micah Awe, our rookie from uh, Texas Tech we've talked a lot about, my petroleum engineering major. Um, I, I would think they know that they can keep Micah Awe in the practice squad, and I think they'll do that. I think they'll 
stashed Micah Alway in the practice squad, but he is then one injury away from stepping up and being a uh, special teams demon for them. Uh, so good question. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do at linebacker as well. It's intriguing in that uh, just tonight, Sunday night, the uh, somebody, I forget, maybe the Titans? Somebody made cuts today, and among the cuts was a linebacker named Jonathan Massacoy, who was with the Falcons in 13 and 14, had uh, 45 tackles, I think, in a Mike Smith defense in 13 and 14. Didn't play in 15, uh, but I'm intrigued. Anytime you have somebody who's available with experience and a history with the coaches, uh, you kind of raise an eyebrow and wonder about. So keep an eye out for that name, Jonathan Massacoy. I think they like the linebackers they have just the same. My last question comes from Robert Green. Uh, wants to know about Jonathan Banks. Uh, wants to know about quarterback depth. Uh, Jonathan Banks is probably the most intriguing guy in the Bucks bubble right now because he could make this team absolutely as a fifth corner. He's a good veteran insurance policy in case any of those top corners got hurt. Um, they could cut him, which would surprise me, even though he's due to make, I think, about $1.7 million as a fourth-year draft pick who's, who's kind of upped his pay with some incentives and stuff. Uh, or the other thing they could do is trade him. If they can find another team that sees him as being more than a fifth cornerback, they could get a late-round pick, a seventh-round pick. Uh, anything more than a seventh-round pick is probably dreamy at this point. Or a spare part. If there's somebody else that has depth at a position the Bucks lack, uh, like defensive tackle, it wouldn't surprise me if they did that as well. It's been curious that I've heard Dirk Cutter specifically praise Jonathan Banks twice now. Dirk doesn't do a lot of specific praise. If you ask him to name someone who did well... He'll tell you a lot of guys did well. Uh, probably couldn't name them all. Wouldn't want to leave somebody out. But twice unsolicited, he's had praise for Jonathan Banks, uh, who did have some good plays. Had a nice breakup Friday night. Uh, it's just unlike Dirk to usually offer up specific praise. So it kind of makes me wonder if he's trying to maybe tout somebody up with the hopes of uh, finding a trade partner or something like that. That's all just rampant speculation, of course. Uh, that will wrap it up for my questions in the mailbag. I'm going to wrap up this podcast as I'm nearing 30 minutes here. See if I can hurry up with my uh, out here and get out before 30. But thank you guys very much for listening. This wraps up episode 21 of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for your questions and comments. And for the audience we're building for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. This is Greg Allman. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you again tomorrow. What you doing? I ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. By singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you by wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.